Welcome to Buddha at the Gas Pump. My name is Rick Archer. Buddha at the Gas Pump is an ongoing series of interviews with spiritually awakening people. I've done over 400 of them by now, and if this is new to you and you'd like to look at previous ones, go to batgap.com, B-A-T-G-A-P, and look under the past interviews menu. You'll see them all organized in various ways. This show is made possible by the support of appreciative listeners and viewers. So if you appreciate it and you feel like supporting it, there is a donate button on every page of the site. My guest today is Suzanne Giesman. I had Suzanne on the show about a year ago. I think it was actually last August. And she, we, we really enjoyed talking to her. And we wanted to have another session in order to sort of tell, kind of give more accounts of evidence, because she calls herself an evidence-based medium, and we, we felt like we hadn't quite done justice to that in the previous interview. I was asking a lot of technical and philosophical questions and all. So we're going to have another session with Suzanne. Um, let me just read a bio. She is a spiritual teacher, an evidence-based medium, as I just said, and the author of 11 books, including Messages of Hope and Wolf's Message. Ta-da! She is a former U.S. Navy commander who served as a commanding officer, special assistant to the Chief of Naval Operations, and as chairman, as, as an aide to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. There are pictures with her of her arm around George Bush and things like that. She was actually in the last plane in the sky after 9-11 because she was heading over to Europe with the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and he said, well, we've got to turn around, and so they went back to Washington. Suzanne's gift of communication with those on the other side provides stunning evidence of life after death and of our connection with the greater reality. And how she went from being this high-ranking naval officer to being communicating with the other side is an interesting story, which I think we told in the first interview. So we won't necessarily be going through all the details of that in this one. She brings messages of hope, healing, and love that go straight to the heart. Her work has been recognized as highly credible by afterlife researcher Dr. Gary Schwartz and best-selling author Dr. Wayne Dyer. For more about her work, her website is SuzanneGiesman.com. So, Suzanne, welcome. Thanks, Rich. Fun good. to be back. Yeah, good to see you again. One other thing I didn't mention about Suzanne is that she and her husband, Ty, are itinerant for a large part of the year. They spend about five, year, five months of the year in a 42-foot RV traveling around the country. And right now she's in Phoenix, Arizona. And, you know, I just finished reading Wolf's Message, that book, and it, it, there's a lot of sort of personal accounts of traveling around the country and, and kind of getting all these messages and cognitions and, and so on. And, and I, I just kept getting struck again and again with the impression that there's never a dull moment in her life. Maybe there's some dull moments in the midst of long drives, but there's always a, a lot of really interesting stuff going on with you. It is, and I'm laughing because on our honeymoon, I pulled a joke on my husband and had him rolling on the floor in laughter, and I looked at him and I said, I promise you, life with me will never be boring. And at that time, I had no idea I would one day be doing this work. None. Yeah. I just knew that we needed to bring laughter into our marriage and now it's laughter and joy and 
awe, the awesome things that happen almost daily. I, I wake up every morning with excitement and say, what is going to happen today? Yeah, it's really neat. Um, and it, it'll be more evident why it's neat as we get into this conversation. But you've sort of got a foot in both worlds, this world that we all live in. And, and, and I think you would say that everybody has a foot in both worlds, but maybe the, the foot in the other world has kind of fallen asleep for most people. Oh, that's a great analogy. And I think that's what awakening is, is, is awakening to the fact that we are in both worlds while we're in human form. And uh, I'm not aware of the spirit world at all times. It still takes a shift to really get a good connection with those on the other side. But I'll be sharing with you stories today as time allows of, of spontaneous awareness of that greater reality. And that's really fun. Yeah. Now, I don't know if it would be desirable to be aware of the spirit world at all times. I mean, oh, exactly. I, I, That's yeah. what in Wolf's message, Wolf had challenges because he could. He said it's busy in here and was diagnosed as schizophrenic mm -hmm. when really he just couldn't turn off his awareness of the greater reality. I'm not saying that that's what all cases of schizophrenia or mental illness are, but you're right. Uh, it would be hard to function if yeah. we were constantly walking that line. <laughs> I interviewed this woman named Jack O'Keefe about five years ago and she was a regular sort of down-to-earth agnostic Irish woman you know not interested in this kind of stuff at all and, and she was you know a journalist or something and she was sitting in a pub in Dublin or someplace having a beer with friends and all of a sudden pow she just sort of snapped into this she shifted into this perception of spooks i mean she was just seeing entities all over the oh, place yeah. oh yeah yeah and then she, she, her, people can listen to her whole interview but she went she, she actually became a professional ghostbuster for a while and she's gone through all sorts of shifts but you know she's like get me out of here i don't want this she was ter exactly terrified and, and at that's first. something that i prayed for for a while let me see the spirits because i still don't let me see them and I have a good friend right here in Cave Creek, Arizona, um, mm -hmm. Suzanne Wilson, another Suzanne, who had that where she saw the spirits. She said she had spirits handing her towels in the shower. <laughs> you know, she says, trust me, you don't want that. And it mm. took her a long time to turn it off. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. How could a t spirit hand a towel? I mean, they're, they're sort of these <laughs> subtle entities. How could they actually, were they actually... I mean, would the what would, a great question? Yeah, like I mean, would the casual was. observer? Yeah, would somebody? Would a third party, like her husband or somebody, if he was standing there, would he see this towel floating through the air and going over to the shower? But, but <laughs> I'll have to ask her because I haven't had that experience. Yeah, yeah, huh. that's funny. Interesting. Maybe it was a spirit tell. That's what I think. <laughs> I have uh, some notes here, but not as extensive as I often have um, with people because I want you to just like talk a lot and you know, not necessarily be interrupted by a lot of questions. Would you like me to ask you one to get you going or would you like to just start out and sure. tell us some yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ask a question, ask away. Yeah. Okay. So and let's I just heard, see. be careful what you ask for. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's one. I'm quoting from your book. You said, working as a medium has shown me how very connected we are with all that is. Our world is just a tiny part of a far greater world and the two worlds are intricately interconnected. So, uh, how's Without that? Does doubt. that prime your pump? Without a doubt. Oh, yeah. Because once we realize that connection exists, then you start noticing 
the signs that those on the other side are sending us all the time. And I think this is part of what my work helps people to do, to notice. That book, Wolf's Message, is a perfect example of me catching what I call snags. Why did that just catch my attention? And then I pull the thread and there's this evidence of the connection of the two worlds from that thing that snagged me. So it's learning to pay attention to why did something grab my consciousness? And then with that belief that there is an unseen world to us here, unseen to our physical eyes, then we start stepping right into those magical moments. Now, you know, there are a lot of skeptical people in the world. There are some people who even consider themselves professional skeptics, um, although I don't know if there's much money in it. And, you know, there's certain people that you couldn't convince of certain things if, you, if, they, if it knocked them over the head, you know, because they're, they're so... So I don't even try. Yeah, so, and we're not going to try, but because they're so entrenched in their paradigm, and they'd always have an ex explanation for, you know, any evidence you offered them. So let's put aside those people. Uh, I think most of the people listening to this aren't of that mindset. Give us a few examples of, you know, what you mean by evidence that would, uh, okay. that would sort of be significant to, you know, the average non-cynical person. Okay, let's start with uh, when I received an email from a, a group at a church where I was going to be speaking later that month, and they said, we have a woman in our church who has been in a coma for three weeks. We were wondering, since you're a medium, if you might be able to connect with her soul and ask what her wishes are. Well, with that one, I actually pushed myself back from the computer when I read it because I realized they wanted me to see, do they want, do they want to pull the plug or not? Does she want us to pull the plug? And you know, no medium is 100% accurate. So I wasn't gonna take on that responsibility until I remembered, wait a minute, what is it that has convinced me we are all souls, whether in a body or not? It's the evidence. So doing a little bit of self-science, I thought this would be an excellent experiment. I will do my normal shifting technique to connect with spirit, but with the intention of connecting with the soul of the woman in a coma. And I will ask her to give me evidence, things about her that I couldn't possibly know. And I'll send those to the people who sent me the email. And if they can validate at least 80% of those items, because that's beyond, well beyond pure chance, then I'll tell them what I discerned as her wishes. And if they don't validate it, then we just leave that go. So I went into my study where I do my readings. I got into a nice expanded state of awareness. I shifted and I realized I don't even know this woman's name. I don't know anything. So my intention was I want to connect with the soul of the woman in a coma who is a friend of, we'll call her Mary, who sent me the email. Please step into my awareness now. And immediately I felt this lightheaded feeling that I feel when I do a, a reading and connect with spirits who have passed. So I just began asking her, tell me about your coma. And she said, it is from a clot, not trauma. So I wrote that down. And tell me about you, I said. And she told me that she had an advanced degree in counseling. She told me the name of the hospital where she was. She told me that there was red hair near her in the hospital. 
She told me that members of the church stood around her bed in a circle every day and one of them sang to her. Uh, she went on and on with things like that, gave me her mother's name and what was the one that was really interesting? Oh, just personality wise, I could feel her just like I feel every spirit in a reading. So I described her as very upbeat, very loving, <clears throat> generous with her time. She volunteers at the church, a whole list of things. And then I asked her, if your friends can validate these lists of things, what are your wishes? And what she said made my jaw drop because it was so obvious, yet it's something that so few of us think about. She said, they can pull the plug if they want. If it's my time, I'll go. If it's not, I'll stay. Hmm. Really obvious, but I wasn't going to write that. So I typed up this list of things. <clears throat> and there was and also California, here I come, right back where I started from. That was Oh, you know that. this story. Uh, yeah, I listened did to Did I tell this? I, didn't tell I don't think you did, but I listened oh, to a bunch interview. of your other things. Yeah. Yeah. That, and yeah, that was significant. Part yeah. That's part two of the, the visit. So okay, I'm messing uh, up anyway, your story. Anyway, the friend Sorry. wrote back. Yeah. The friend wrote back and said, absolutely, her coma is caused by a clot, not trauma to the head. She has a PhD in psychology, very generous, volunteers at, at the church all the time. We uh, prayer chaplains stand around her bed in a circle every day and one of them sings to her, validated her mother's name and the red hair near her was a picture of her at a party wearing a red wig that her mother had taped to the bed over her hospital bed. So I sent her the wishes and as I was emailing those wishes, this woman, soul in a coma dropped in on me right then and there and that's when she said california here i come right back where i started from and then she flashed before my eyes the images of a pair of toe socks remember those from decades ago they look striped socks and the and they had like a glove they have, they have they, your toes oh yeah yeah each toe like fits it. into a different yeah. uh piece of yeah. the sock yeah very clear visual so i typed that up and i said she's showing me this and saying california here i come well this was just like the greatest thing she could have shown me because it turned out that of those prayer chaplains standing around the bed, one of them was such a skeptic of mediums. He said, they're all frauds. Don't ask a medium what her wishes are. Well, the woman in the coma gave that skeptic a pair of toe socks for the past Christmas. Hmm. It was almost like her little dig. <laughs> you know, this is really me. I'm here. Remember the socks? Yeah. And the thing about California, here I come was the the lead minister for this church hadn't told anybody that he had come to that Midwest church from a church in California and they recently had offered him his job back and he was undecided what to do and he admitted to me later that in his prayers he had secretly asked the woman in the coma maybe you can ask the big guy upstairs what I'm supposed to do hmm. and she comes through me the medium to say California, here I come, right back where I started from, huh. his old job. The, the really neat uh, epilogue to this story is that six days later, I didn't know what they decided to do, but six days later, I'm sitting in my daily morning meditation and she drops in on me. How do I know her? Because once you meet somebody, whether in spirit or here in person, you recognize them. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, this is, this is you. And she felt completely just absolutely the same as she did on the previous two visits. And she said, it's beautiful here. Tell everyone I'm fine and not to be sorry for me. Mm -hmm. And I typed that up, sent it off. It was a Sunday morning. The minister wrote back right away and said she passed at midnight. Interesting. So 
is just beautiful that she knew how to get a message to everybody through the medium, which is what a medium is, an intermediary for those who no longer have a physical voice, and that she felt exactly the same. The soul is the soul is the soul. Whether you're in a body, waking consciousness, whether you're in a coma, whether you pass to the other side, hmm. the communication is possible. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, even though she was still alive, but in a coma, she had already kind of passed because she had that ability to communicate and she she tuned, she tuned into you a thousand miles away, um, you know, wanting to tune into her and uh, go ahead. I'm not sure say. I agree with that, Rick. Yeah, because I don't think you have to pass to be able to communicate like that. I haven't done the experiments, but I don't know why I couldn't, with a person's permission, attempt to communicate with a soul yes. offline. Who's he, somebody who's here? That would be an interesting thing to try. So you mean, let's say you were communicating with me offline. Um, would I know you were doing so, or would you be kind of communicating I, with your well, higher, my higher soul, and I wouldn't even know what was going on, but you'd, you could find out stuff? Well, that depends on my ethics and integrity. I, I think I could try to do that for anybody, but I wouldn't, because that's an invasion of privacy. But with <laughs> your permission, we would say, let me try an experiment and tap into you, Rick. That's pretty much what psychic work is anyway. A yeah. psychic reads your soul energy while you're still in a body. That's the only and difference. So it, it, and with this woman being in a coma, I mean, that's a very innocent state. So um, that would make a big difference. And, right. And her friends just had to trust that I wasn't going to betray any confidences. <clears throat> and I asked permission to share this story. Like every story that I share with you here, I've, I've asked the people involved, may I share these details? Right. So. And of course, most yeah. people think that, you know, when somebody's in a coma, it's lights out, you know, and there's, there's no cognition or recognition or anything. And, and um, even of the ordinary sense, and what, what you're describing is a rather extraordinary ability to communicate and know things from And, and very part. nice to know that the same thing is true with people with dementia. <clears throat> Their soul is just fine. And I haven't tried to tap into somebody who has dementia while they're still living, but hundreds of people I've tapped into after they pass uh, they show me foggy here, foggy here, but no more, clear as a bell. So I'm saying, ah, oh, this is your dad. He had Alzheimer's or dementia, but he, of course, because that was a poor wiring in the physical body, he's perfectly clear now. But they tell me that they were already playing on both sides while yeah. they were here. This is good stuff for people to hear, you know, because so many people go through this kind of thing with a loved one or a parent or something, and, yeah. and I think it can provide a lot of solace. That's that's the whole point of doing this work. Solace to those here, solace to those on the other side. Not that they need it in that loving environment in which they find themselves, but they get to say things that they didn't say. I just did a reading that was one of my top 10 most healing readings ever for just that kind of situation. I can't share it because I didn't have a chance to ask permission, but that's the point to, to give that voice to those who no longer have a physical voice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think I heard you say in some interview that it's even kind of more important for them than it is for us here. It's like they really want to communicate truth. something. But the, the big life lesson for all of us is, so say your apologies now. Get into the forgiveness now so you don't have to find a medium or wait for your loved ones to find a medium. Guide them to a medium when you get to the other side. Oh, my God, I never said I love you. Ah, how could I be so blind? Mm, there's a medium. Call the medium <laughs> from the other side. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. 
you'd think that there'd be a lot of kind of like a, a waiting list of people wanting to get to people like you to, to intervene with their loved ones or something like that. There'd, there'd be yeah. sort of a, yeah. a pent up demand. Yeah. Mm. Huh. I'm, that reminds me, and so I guess I should talk about it. I'm, I'm working on a book now and it's mostly with parents who have children on the other side. Uh -huh. And I just did the most powerful interview. It's going to be in the appendix only because the, the, the book is a, relating a true story that dealt with four couples who have kids on the other side. But I realized we need to address parents of children who took their own lives. Right. It's really important that they not feel marginalized. So I interviewed a mom whose son took his own life three years ago. Mm -hmm. And she was a very interesting case because she was a born again Christian. And absolutely, it was against the rules to go to a medium. Right. But within one month of her son's death, she went to a medium. And I knew why, but I wanted to get from her words. I said, so why did you go to a medium? And she said, because I wanted to talk to my son. And that's the bottom line. You know, your heart knows what's right. Yeah. It's, it's so beautiful. can you give us some details of that particular case? Since it's going in the book? Or is that a good one to tell, well, talk that about? Was, I didn't know it's not because I haven't done a reading for her. The, her, her, what we discussed in the inter, this was a pure interview oh, of right. how to get, oh, how to heal from that kind of a passing. Yeah. But uh, I've had evidence, lots of evidence. One of my, if I, we should talk about a suicide case. One of them is uh, a woman came for a reading, just devastated. I knew nothing about her. And she sat across from me. I tuned in and right away, you, you just know why they're so devastated. I said, you have a son on the other side. He's right here. And he's showing me he took his own life. I see, I have generic symbols. For that, I'll have, you know, I'll see like gestures, a hand to the throat or a finger to the head. It's very obvious this is a suicide, but that's just a symbol. So then silently I said to him, how did you do this? And I was surprised. It was the only case I'd seen of this. I said, your son jumped off a bridge. She said, yes. I said, this is in New York. Yes. Do you want me to tell you what bridge it was? She asked. I said, no, he's here. Let me ask him. He said, it's the Verrazano Bridge. That's right. I mean, this kind of evidence blows me away. I hope I never lose the awe of that. He, he showed me this symbol that to me means bipolar, mm -hmm. up and down, up and down. And then he showed me uh, medication. No, see, it's like uh, sign language, mm -hmm. what I see, because I don't see him standing there. I see the gestures. I said, your son is showing me he was off his medication. He was bipolar. She said, I know his girlfriend told him, don't take your medication anymore. And he came to say, mom, I'm okay. I'm not burning in hell. He talked, he, he said, you have a tattoo and a good friend of his has a tattoo. She rolled up her sleeve and showed me the tattoo about him. He showed me he was a musician. This is the evidence. But the really cool moment in that reading was that we were getting ready to go on our six month RV tour. And Ty was outside during this reading, getting the bus ready. It was in the driveway. The woman's back was to the window. She couldn't see him out there. And I realized that one of the big pieces of evidence I love to get in a reading is what kind of work did you do when you were here? So I silently asked her son, what did you do? And instead of saying the word, I saw his hand sweep out like this. And he pointed out the window and he said exactly what your husband is doing right now. And I looked over her shoulder and Ty's kneeling down at the trailer hitch at the back of the bus where we tow our car, stripping the electrical wires. I looked at his mom and I said, your son was an electrician. 
And she said, yes, he was. <laughs> that was huge because she didn't know what I asked him. She couldn't see what my husband is doing. So for those who say you're just reading your sitter's mind, the sitter is the client, you're reading your sitter's mind, well, that is not reading her mind. I was having a real-time live conversation back and forth, interactive with a spirit. Yeah. It's it would be awesome. impressive even awesome. if you were just reading her mind, you know, knowing all those things. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's true. Yeah. That is true. And, and it's kind of scary for my husband because I read his mind more and oh, more. He can't get days. away with anything, can he? No. I was, I was meditating the other morning, and uh, we were in the bus. It wasn't the other morning. It was before this trip. We'd gone on a little shakedown cruise. We call it a weekend trip. And I'm sitting there, and my guide said, your husband cannot find the dog food. Because <laughs> he feeds the dogs in the morning, and I realized I had just thrown all the food from the house in one drawer, not where we normally put it on the bus. And I was thinking, well, I'm in a nice expanded state. I'll wait. And they said, if you wait, he will be very irritable. And so, <laughs> so they said, we'll be here. I said, I'll be right back. So I get up, I open the door to the kitchen in the bus, and Ty is standing there with this frown on his face. And I looked at him and I said, the dog food's in that drawer over there. He looked at me, he shook his head, and he said, that's really good. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. So in this case, actually, I wasn't reading his mind. My guides were making sure that I came out to a nice, happy husband when the meditation was over. But, you know, who puts our thoughts in our minds anyway? There's just one mind. I'm coming to know that more and more. One mind just... The spirits, you know, what, what snags, what causes those snags we talked about earlier? That's higher consciousness saying, pay attention to that. Yeah. And then you pull the thread and it turns out to be something we need to know. So you have your own set of guides. Oh, definitely. We talked about them last time. They asked me to call them Sanaya. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Sanaya, of course. And, yeah. yeah. And Sanaya means flash of lightning, which is how my stepdaughter was killed, which is how by a bolt of lightning which is what started me on this whole path so to have my guides spontaneously give me a name that means flash of lightning that in itself to me is evidence of a higher awareness than little Suzanne right here that's cool um, so uh, what else you got on your list there you have some you, you mentioned you oh, jotted down well, some stories that are yeah. really nice evidential things well, I'd like to share with you throughout this interview a bunch of what I call the drop-ins because they're the most evidential of all to mm -hmm. me. You can't, again, you can't put that away as, as reading somebody's mind. And the drop-ins are those spirits who I may have met in a reading with their loved ones who come back when I'm not expecting it, when I'm not with their loved ones, to just give them some information. And... Uh, uh, or some that I haven't met at all. Uh, a year ago when we talked, I was having very few drop-ins. My guides had told me they shut me up. They turn off the connection when I'm in social situations or I would be on 24 seven, which is probably pretty accurate. My husband would attest to that. And uh, I was, uh, I've come to know now that they've, they've opened me up because I can handle it now. So I went to dinner uh, some time ago in New Mexico with a woman that invited us to her town because they'd had quite a few losses, especially children. And I knew that she had a daughter on the other side but had not yet given her a reading. 
So we met for the first time at a restaurant. We sat down and I, I said, I need to tell you, I don't normally see spirits at social settings, but we'll get your daughter tomorrow in our reading. She said, no, I'm, I'm not expecting to hear from her. That's okay. So we're just chatting away, having a normal dinner. And all of a sudden, I, she's across the table, just like you're across from me in this interview. I saw her daughter appear, saw her in my mind's eye. It's not like she was objectively there, but I still am not seeing faces very clearly. But what I did see clearly was that young girl was wearing a bunny suit. <laughs> I mean, I see it wrapped around her face and big jackrabbit ears. And I remember even turning my head like this. Am I seeing that correctly? And it's really brilliant on the part of that little girl in spirit, because if she had just flashed the girl there, I might have blown that off to uh, maybe I just imagined that, but I couldn't make up a bunny. So I looked at her mom and instead of saying, do you have any idea why your daughter might appear to me in a bunny suit? I knew what I was seeing. So I said with full confidence, I need to tell you, your daughter is standing beside you and she's wearing a rabbit suit. <laughs> and her mother looked at me like I had two heads. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I looked at Ty because he, he's sitting to my left and he knows that I just don't normally bring through spirits like that. But I also know to help the sitter figure it out. So I said, well, help me out here. Did your daughter ever play a rabbit in the school play? Did she dress up as a rabbit for Halloween? And her mom thinks a minute and she says, well, we always called her our little rabbit, and she has a rabbit collection, and she and she goes on and on with all these all kinds of rabbit things. Yeah, yeah. And now I look at Ty, and he looks at me, and we kind of roll our eyes because this happens all the time in my readings. I'll say something, and the people say, "No, I don't know what that is," because it knocks them off balance. She, that was probably the last thing she expected, and once she got her feet back on the ground. She came to me for the reading the next day. She brought a picture of her daughter holding a real bunny. She showed me a picture of her daughter standing before a billboard full of rabbits. And she brought me this little rabbit oh, yeah. from her collection of rabbit figurines. I keep this where I brush my teeth, even on the road on the bus, to see it every day. Just as a reminder, we are here, the spirits say. We're right here. And they show up in a way that we can't mistake it, dressed like a rabbit. Just a great, great story. Reminds me of that Jimmy Stewart movie, Harvey. Remember Harvey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had this eight-foot-tall rabbit yeah. that he palled around with all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Could I go on with one that's yeah, a nice yeah, segue to that? Yeah, yeah. please. Do another oh, one. Just, just please. <laughs> well, I have a, a lovely couple that I uh, met at a workshop that I gave in Florida last summer and I walked in and I recognized them immediately as members of a group called Helping Parents Heal which I I love to support because it's a it's a group for bereaved parents that allows an open discussion of the afterlife which leads to the parents not grieving for the rest of their lives but realizing their kids are still right here and so this is their their meetings are actually can be uplifting because they celebrate the fact that their kids are with them. So I recognized this couple sitting on the couch waiting for the workshop to begin, but I didn't know anything about who they had on the other side. And I thought, oh, let me try to tune in and see. And I looked at them and I said, you have a son on the other side? And they said, no, a daughter. And I thought, oh, this is what I fear. 
trying to tune in just walking around doesn't always work for me. And I just thought, you know, I blew that. I blew it. And I could tell they were disappointed. And I said, we'll do a reading. We'll get your daughter. And so after the workshop was over, I did the reading and it was lovely. The beautiful daughter named Shana, her name means beautiful light. And she was 15 years old and died suddenly in her sleep. Nothing wrong with her. Wow. Like adolescent SIDS, sudden yeah. adolescent death syndrome. I mean, we call this tragic for those of us who are left behind. Of course, Shana's still exists, surrounded by love. And she showed that in the reading, but she wasn't finished with that reading because during the reading, she showed me just this instant picture that I, I didn't talk about because I wasn't sure what it was. I didn't think it was significant. Usually there's one or two things that come up in a reading and I don't bring it up. Usually I regret that. Well, after the reading for the next couple of days, I kept seeing what looked like a Christmas decoration, a, a ball, but I knew it wasn't a Christmas decoration. I think a couple of weeks passed since the reading and suddenly there's that ball again. So I sent an email to uh, Shana's mom and dad, uh, Brian and his, his wife is Thai and just like my husband is Taiwana. And uh, I said, uh, your daughter keeps showing me this thing that it, it looks like a Christmas ball, but it has something to do with the decoration of the flower of life decoration on it. I don't know if you're familiar with that, Rick. So I brought a picture of it to show you. This is the flower of life. Okay. It's just a geometric design, okay? Yeah. And I said, do you know why Shana keeps showing that to me? And her mom sent an email back immediately. She says, I know exactly what that is. And here it is. This is the ball that's hanging in their kitchen. Mm -hmm. And if you look really closely, it has that same pattern on it as kind of sort of like the flower of life. Looks like a Christmas decoration, but what it is, is a gift that Shana's volleyball team sent to Brian and Ty after she passed. And it's called a happy thought bubble. So what a beautiful thing for Shana to be showing me. Talk about the happy thought bubble because I'm just sending you happy thoughts. So a nice visual, a nice drop in, but it got better. Seconds later, we finished the, the email or phone call. I don't remember how we validated this. And I'm sitting on my lanai in Florida, working on my computer and she fully drops in. And I just started typing, Shana is here. And she's showing me, she's acting like a cat. She's holding up her hands like paws and little claws and she's going, Row, row. <laughs> just making little meow sounds. Huh. And now she's showing me whiskers drawn right here. What's up with this? That's what I wrote in the email. Minutes later, my phone chimes. It's a text. And I look down and it's a text from Ty, Shana's mom. And she says, I am in tears. And this was the photo attached to the text. Oh, cute. Can you see it? Yeah, yeah. It, it's Shana with the whiskers drawn on exactly like a cat and look at her hands drawn up exactly like she showed me. Yeah. That's what I mean by evidence. You can't make that stuff up. That's a, that she's obviously younger than 15 in that photo, but that's a precious memory. Mom had that picture. And I just love the feeling of knowing how her family feels when out of the blue, some medium says, Oh, your daughter's here showing me a you know, little cat picture. That's beautiful. That's, live interaction that's shana saying my physical body may be gone but i'm still with you you know for people on the other side it must be like a game of charades where they have to sort of try to 
convey something without being able to necessarily speak words all the time. And come on, get it. You know, I'm trying to do this. And don't you know that? (laughs) See, Rick, this is really an important point that you just raised. It's totally dependent on the medium. And each medium has what we call a control or a gatekeeper who doesn't control us at all. It's a guide who helps us, our main guide with mediumship. And they know how that medium best receives information. Mm-hmm. So my guides know that I, I'm visual. Mm-hmm. I also hear things, but I don't see faces. So don't show up in front of Suzanne. She won't see you. So act like a cat. She'll see that. Oh, so they like give little tips and hints to the person who's trying to Absolutely. communicate? Absolutely. They train those who are about to have a medium. They actually rehearse how best to, to the best of my understanding, whether or uh-huh. not it's exactly like this. This is how I understand it. They, so if they would go to another medium who's very visual, very clairvoyant, and they would just show up in front of them and they could just stand right there. And mm-hmm. and if somebody's very clear audience, you would just do nothing but talk. Right. So that's why I have this library of symbols and they know if they pass suddenly, the, my guide will say, you know, we're just going to create this image in her mind. And that means I pass suddenly. Huh. It's it's that's why mediums can get better with practice, because the more you do it, you build up your symbols, your symbols of vocabulary. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But yet, if I could ramble on, please. I, I did a reading. I did a reading of just a couple of weeks ago. I was went home to Florida to visit my mom, who's going to be ninety next in August. And but I go home every six to eight weeks to visit her. And uh, I got a call from a woman a month prior to that visit, and she said, "You knew my mom, where you live in Florida." You don't know me, but my mom just died suddenly and rather uh, mysteriously. Uh, somebody told me I should reach out to you. Is there any chance that you can give me a reading while I'm home, while I'm in Florida for my mom's memorial service? And I said, oh, I'm on the road now. I'm only going to be home at the end of May. And she said, well, that's when the memorial service was. Right. So it's you know one of those setups from Spirit. Right. So she came over to my house and she came straight from her mom's memorial service. She told me she had a splitting headache, and I knew that was from the, the stress. Of, I've been, you know, when you go to funerals and, and you, you cry and all that tension, not crying causes terrible headaches. So I said, well, we'll wait. She was a little early. I said, come out here, sit on my lanai. All of a sudden, I found myself mothering this young woman more so than I normally treat people. And I realized her mom's right here, and she wants me to mother her. I set her on the lanai, I gave her a glass of water. She had already taken some aspirin. I said, you just sit here and be calm. We'll do your reading when your headache's gone. So I went into my bathroom and I was puttering around and washing my hands and her mom dropped in clear this day. She said to me, give her one of your butterflies. Now that was very auditory. And I said, oh really? Which one? I, I, I had a necklace right there with a butterfly on it. People give me butterfly things because my stepdaughter Susan sent us butterfly signs after she passed. I said, this, you want me to give her this necklace? And her mom very clearly said, no, give her that little butterfly that's hanging from the doorknob in your study. <laughs> I said, okay. So I went out, her daughter's headache was gone. I said, your mom is already here. I sat her down in the seat in my study, went over, picked up that butterfly and I said, your mom said, I'm supposed to give you this butterfly. And she looked at me a little stunned, kind of blank look. And I said, butterflies are often signs from the other side. She said, 
I know. I just learned that at her memorial service, her best friend came up to me and was telling me a story of when that best friend's husband passed, how a butterfly flew around her and then flew around her kids. And this spirit woman's daughter sitting in front of me said, at the memorial service, I looked at this woman and I said, when am I going to get a butterfly? Ah, pretty cool. And I said, just got it because <laughs> your mom of course was at her memorial service that's something i've learned those who pass are at their funerals in the memorial service and heard her say when am i going to get my butterfly drops some in on me as i'm washing my hands and says give her one of your butterflies wow isn't that, that great that's really neat yeah. yeah it's cool that's why i say every morning you know what's going to happen today the, these these stories never end never end yeah Kind of the thought that pops into my head is it wouldn't it be cool if we lived in a society that was so evolved that this kind of thing was just routine, you know, and it's like everybody experienced oh. it. And it's like, you know, it's no, no weirder than having friends in Great Britain or something that you could call on the phone or whatever. It's, it's just like part of the way things work, you know, there's this dimension, this there's is, this, this is, dimension. And, yeah. Yeah. This is what... This is the way I see the, the, our world eventually. That's all part of the evolution. And it's this is why I love this group, Helping Parents Heal. They take in parents who, who, who haven't had this awareness, who are just devastated. They want to take their own lives. And suddenly they're surrounded by other parents who are exactly, their world is that world you just described. Yeah. I, we've loved our time here in Phoenix because I'm in this is the home of the co-founder of Helping Parents Heal, where oh, I'm sitting. Okay. We came out here to spend more time with her and with the other members of the local chapter here. We went out to dinner with some of them the other night, and they're the most loving people you can imagine. And we've all gone through the worst grief anyone can imagine. Yet because we know our kids are right here, and, and then, of course, that our parents who have passed are right here, and everybody who's passed is right here when we think of them, we're happy incredibly loving group and it's unlike many many other relationships that most of us have with other people it just takes you to this place where you you forgive people their faults you you love each other because you just get the bigger picture yeah and that's one of the reasons that I you know wanted to have you on the show and um, I just you know some people have this sort of monochromatic notion of enlightenment or higher consciousness that it has nothing to do with all kinds of things the kinds of things you're talking about but i feel that you mm -hmm. know it really has to do with a full understanding of life in all its diversity and variety and depth and um that that a, a clear and correct understanding of the way the universe actually works cannot help but be helpful to people it can yeah. have a huge the, impact the on the way they function Exactly, especially when one of, we talked about this earlier, one of the biggest issues that comes up in a reading is forgiveness. Whether those on the other side are saying, I see a head hang down and I say, ooh, we have an apology here. Why are you apologizing? Ah, for this reason. And then we have these, the sitter will end up crying and say, please tell them it's okay. And I say, no, they're right here. You tell them. <laughs> and we have these really healing moments. But this is... You asked in the last interview, do you find that mediumship is a distraction to your own path? It's the greatest bonus. It's what keeps me on the path. It's what has caused me to see what do I need to forgive? What do I need to forgive in myself? And in the past year, the teaching for me has been the 
belief at the highest level that all of us are anything less than love. This teaching has really been coming at me full force from Sanaya in the last three weeks. In fact, I had my own personal healing when I started saying, forgive me for thinking I'm anything less than love. And right in the midst of having all of those thoughts about forgiveness, Sanaya gave me a message. I sat down on my couch to type it up. And you know the singer Seal? His song comes on the radio and he's singing, I need love, love's divine. Please forgive me. Now I know that I've been blind. And the tears are just pouring down my face because that's exactly what the message was and is. And it's why we're here to to not be blinded anymore to this whole separation from the greater reality. This this is what has come out of my discovering I can speak with spirits. It's so much more than saying your loved one's right here. It's the big picture, yet get all these fun evidential moments to to keep us going. If I were to say to you, stellated dodecahedron, (laughs) would that that evoke a story? It sure would. I, that one had me in tears too. Yeah, tell us that story. Uh, I had gone home. I had gone home to visit my mom from a, one of our six-month journeys uh, for our birthday. It was 2012, maybe 2013. I, I don't remember when it was, but I was called to buy several books at the bookstore. Hadn't even opened them yet. I mean, I mean, called. My guide said there are books here for you. So I go in. Which one am I supposed to read? I bought like seven books. Ty puts up with the book bill. <laughs> so I had taken them all back to the the bus, the RV with me. We were in New York at the time. They were sitting by my bedside, hadn't even opened them yet. And I went to sleep and I was awakened in the morning. I'm in that hypnagogic, you know, half in, half out state of awareness as you're waking up. And I heard stellated dodecahedron. And I went, what? <laughs> and I wrote it down phonetically, you know, what? What is that? And then I heard a couple other things and I thought, if that is a real term, this is taking clear audience, hearing the voice of higher consciousness to a whole new level. And I heard, you will find it in that book there. And they pointed out the specific book. And I thought, oh, I, I don't even dare look. And I pulled it out. I went to the back to the index, go down to the S's and there it was. So, stellated dodecahedron. I look it up on page 64 or whatever, and it is this alleged Christ consciousness grid, an energetic pattern of energy around the earth. And then I went into meditation, crying now, because that was real. This had come to me, it was given to me. That's the kind of attunement that I pray for. And I said, tell me about this grid. And and they showed me one of those maps, like you might see them on, you could Google it on the internet, where electricity, where lights are around the globe. It shows the earth, it's all black, except for pockets of population. So the desert is black, but cities are whites. And they said, this is how we see your world with that grid that there are pockets of brightness and pockets of darkness. And as each one of you come to realize you are the light, you are one with the light, that grid grows brighter because your light grew brighter. You add to the whole, that's that web that we were talking about at the beginning. That's the interconnectedness. And so they told us not to despair, 
when we feel that our world is is becoming dimmer that actually one by one people really are awakening thanks to programs like yours mm. and that you don't have to go save the world because just by turning your light up brighter it brightens the whole grid strengthens that unity awareness that christ consciousness that is what is going to allow all of us to be joyous like this group of parents who knows the two worlds are connected neat i have this little wow. um spinning globe on bath gap in, in the right hand column and it shows you at any given time who's actually on the site at that moment and has a little flag for where they are oh, and and then there and if you click on it in the right place it'll take you to a bigger version of it but in any case there's a little red dot every place somebody has access the site from you know oh, and, cool. and it's kind yeah. of interesting to see so the sahara desert doesn't have any red dots you know <laughs> and certain yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The <laughs> desert of utah and so on but there's you know otherwise all the populated areas of the world are pretty well lit up with red dots and you you did that that isn't that cool it happens automatically reach. as the thing goes around yeah no, but yeah yeah but your program are reaching yeah it reaches all over that's yeah. what i mean yeah, yeah. and yeah. I, and I started out with thinking this is going to be a radio show on my local station, and, and you know I, I didn't get any support for that idea. But you you tell me you reminded me though about this connection of the two worlds with mm -hmm. the grid. Um, reminds me of what happened in a reading. I've really tried in the last year to get my own doubts out of the way, and when I see something in a reading that a spirit is giving me that doesn't make sense, to say it anyway. Yeah. So I was talking to a mom who had a son on the other side and I said your son in spirit is showing me a rainbow those in spirit often draw their loved ones attention to an actual rainbow when they need it mm -hmm. and I said but this rainbow ends at your heart and it goes from your heart to him and he says the connection is good so that sounds kind of silly why would he show me a rainbow going from your heart to him and saying the connection is good and his mom said oh I'm so glad to hear that you just validated my experiments and I asked her what she meant she had been trying to improve the way she connected with her son in spirit she's trying to talk to him herself which mm. everybody who has some of the other side should do you don't need a medium and her visual was visualizing a rainbow from her heart to his and he comes through the medium just to show me the rainbow and say hey mom the connection is good ah I guess I just got goosebumps it's wonderful and I and I encourage people to try any visualization like that because what that does is shows there's a very real connection from all of us from heart to heart mm -hmm. every time I do a reading I visualize that connection between me and my sitter and between me and the loved ones on the other side knowing they're already connected from heart to heart with their loved ones so it's this triangle and that strengthens the connection this mom said that by doing that visualization, she could actually hear her son and hear his messages. And he validated, you can trust this is me, mom. That's neat. You know what I love? Yeah. I love the fact that I love your enthusiasm. You, you know, you, you, haven't, <laughs> you haven't become the least bit sort of ho-hum about this, even though you've been doing it for uh, a number of years. It's, you're like a kid in the candy no. shop every moment. Like, whoa, oh, this is fantastic. Oh, <laughs> oh. So let me tell you another one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please. I, I had, I, even though I know that when we die when the physical body dies and I'm not afraid of saying dying that we're okay I know how sad it is for those left behind so I was very stunned when a very dear friend 
of mine in Florida, I got a phone call that her husband had passed very unexpectedly. I knew him from being at a few dinners with him, but I didn't know him as well as her. She's one of my soul sisters. We're in a meditation group together. Mm -hmm. So when her name is Gloria. And when I got this call, Bob died. They took him to the ER last night and he died. <gasps> and I said, can I go see her? And they said, no, she's really in a bad way. Let's wait a while. So that was at, I don't know, nine o'clock at night. The next morning, I was driving around and I suddenly had the thought, just at least call her. That's okay, that won't bother her. So I picked up the phone, hey Gloria, I heard the news and we, I was commiserating and suddenly I had this feeling, just go see her. I said, would it be okay if I stop by and just give you a hug? She said, that would be fine. Well, I know now that, that these thoughts, when I say I had the thought, I had the thought to call her, to hug her, they're put there by loved ones. That's the connection. So I didn't realize it was put there by her husband, Bob, who has not even been gone for 12 hours. But as I pulled onto her street, I felt him in the car with me. And as I pulled up in front of the house, I heard him say with wonder, this is my house, which gave me goosebumps because that's not something I would think. Like, well, of course this is your house, Bob. But when I thought about it later, from his new perspective, that would must have been kind of cool. Yeah, you know, I'm seeing it from up here. So I go to the door, and I'm sure that Gloria is expecting me as she opens the door to hug her and say, "Oh, Gloria, I'm so sorry." Instead, she opens the door, and with that enthusiasm you were talking about, I go, I barge right in. Gloria, Bob is right here. He's right here, <laughs> and and now he's saying, he, he started telling me things about his passing. I said, he, he's. He's going like this, like he had a problem with his jaw. Why is he doing this? And she said, well, because he had facial paralysis. And and I gave her evidence after evidence after evidence. I said, he's calling, I know you were a nurse, but he's calling you nursey, nursey. She said, oh my God, that's the nickname my granddaughter gave me. I said, Gloria, I know you're in a fog. We need to write all of this down right now so you don't forget. And it was like 14 different things that immediately lifted her. But this is less than 12 hours since he died. The reason he was able to to communicate so clearly was because he had been not well. And I know that the soul was probably already practicing spirit communication, but he's dropped in a couple times. The most recent was really great. I knew she was out of town. I knew she was coming back to Florida. And all of a sudden Bob dropped in and he showed me a flash drive. And then he showed me Gloria's hand slipping under her pillow, bumping into something. Well, I kind of forgot about that. And later in the day, Oh, I was supposed to tell Gloria about that. Well, the timing was perfect because I sent her an email or I called her, whatever the case was, she had just walked in the door to this empty house, having been gone for a couple weeks. And I said, Gloria, Bob's showing me a flash drive. What's that all about? She said, Suzanne, I just came home from New York where we lived and one of our friends gave me a flash drive with over 250 photos of Bob and me on it, his whole life with me. Well, that's Bob saying, I know about that flash drive. Those are memories, but I'm still here. And then I said, why is he showing me your hand sliding under the pillow, bumping into something hard? She said, well, I haven't been sleeping well since he passed, so I've been using mala beads. I know you know what mala beads are, like a rosary, but 108 mm -hmm. little beads. Using mala beads to fall asleep. And I usually fall asleep somewhere during uh, the 108 uh, beads and they end up under my pillow and every morning I have to reach under my pillow and they bump into those mala beads and I pull them out. So that's Bob saying I'm right there at your side. Just so affirming.
that they still interact with us in our lives. They know what's going on. That's it's neat. Awesome. Related to that guy who was communicating just 12 hours after he died, here's a question. We've, we've heard that when we cross over, we are in a state of existence that is interconnected to all things. We are connected to God in a very deep sense, and we go through a process of understanding our lives in our soul's journey. We go through this first, and then we get to a point where we can understand our lives in a deeper sense, after which we may have messages we want to deliver to our loved ones. In other words, we process our whole life and get better, so to speak, and then connect with loved ones. If the soul is in that review process, could that be a reason they may not be able to connect ready right away? In other words, they're kind of in a rehab mode and, and they can't immediately connect yeah. until they go through a certain amount of adjustment or, yeah. It could very well be, I, um, especially in cases of suicide. Not all of them, but many of them do go to a kind of a, a, a healing place. A Halfway house type kind of mode. thing. Yeah, it is. But I, I always, when they show it to me, I always see it with this soothing blue light that never goes out. And everybody met by love and not judgment. But uh, there are very few cases, happily, where I don't tune into someone. Uh, but I have learned mm -hmm. to wait usually about three months after passing, mainly because the sitter is so full of grief, that third part of the triangle I described, their energy pulls it down. But that I do understand that that life review does happen. But I believe that if it, if it serves the greater good, they'll interrupt their healing. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll interrupt whatever they're in to come and talk to their loved ones. I mean, hey, they're sitting with a medium, get busy. <laughs> you know? Yeah, neat. Here's a couple more notes from your book that'll give you a, a moment to catch your breath and then you can tell us another story. Um, you say, the more we open our minds to possibilities, the more miracles happen. And you also say, we're on the verge of a massive shift of consciousness that will change how we relate to each other and how we feel inside. Yes, yes, yes. Well, my definition of a miracle is when the two worlds come together in a way that we're aware of it. So it's not some Oh, also, sometimes it is the parting of the physical laws, the setting that aside, that allows a feather to drop out of nowhere into your lap when that's your sign from your son. That's a miracle when the, that greater reality becomes obvious. But this massive shift of consciousness, that was a message that came from Wolf. It's not something that I made up and, mm -hmm. and from my guides. And that shift, I believe, is due in part to technology that is allowing programs like this to allow spiritually awakening people to share the miracles with others on a global basis. Mm -hmm. And as we change one by one, then that shift is happening faster and faster. I can now say the M word medium oh. in a public place and not be, you know, burned at the stake. And so we're not there yet, but more and more and more people are open to this. Yeah. That's a good thing. 40, 50 years ago, you couldn't even say the M word meditation. People thought you were a total weirdo. Oh, you know? yeah. Now they're te right, teaching right. it in Fortune 500 and so on. Yep, yep. And, and the military yep, yep. and so on, yeah. The military, yep. <laughs> nice. Okay, what's the next story on your list? Okay, how about uh, doing a reading for a man whose father was on the other side? I'd given him a reading in the past, but he... he wrote to me and he said, I, I really need to hear from my dad. And I said, okay. And it's interesting, the first readings that I do with people, they're full of evidence. How I died, what kind of work I did, who's in the family, that kind of, it's like a laundry list. Mm -hmm. But the second readings, because they've already given all of that, they're so full of things going on in a loved one's life now. 
So I thought that was, was brilliant how this dad showed me what was going on in his son's life. He suddenly, I said, your dad's showing me he's raising a glass of champagne. You're celebrating something. Now he's patting the belly. My belly's full. You're going to have a baby in your family. Hmm. And he said, yeah, my wife is 12 weeks pregnant. I said, well, your dad knows about it. And he's celebrating from the other <laughs> side. And I said, oh, he just showed me what sex it is, but I'm not going to tell you. So we go on and his mom came through from the other side. And I said, oh, she just showed me what sex it is too. And I, I wrote it down so I'd remember. I said, ask me in nine months. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, we already know what sex it is. Show me. So I held up the sign, boy. And he says, it's a boy. Mm -hmm. So it, this is somebody who went from such sadness and missing his dad to knowing dad's not going to miss the birth of that child. Mm. He's going to be watching because he already knows about the pregnancy, which is really neat. Yeah, that mm -hmm. is really neat. Want to tell another one or you want me to ask you a question? Oh, no, I'll tell one. Okay, this, one of the most frequent drop-ins I have is from a wonderful, beautiful young lady named Carly. She died at age 24, the youngest recorded case of esophageal cancer. Wow. Mm. She's going to be in the, the new book that I'm writing because I've become dear, dear friends with her mom, Irene, and her dad, Tony, her stepdad, Tony. And uh, the reading that Irene had with me absolutely changed her life. So I'm so grateful for that. But I, I had no idea when I did that reading that we would, be, we would become such good friends. There's a video on my website called Irene's Healing that shows about uh, how a second reading uh, got her past this PTSD that she was feeling having her daughter pass out in her arms just before she died. But Carly is a very strong communicator and drops in quite frequently. Pretty much every time I talk to Irene on the phone, Carly drops in. Well, not every time because we talk often now, but uh, uh, Tony and Irene came to visit us last December because Ty and Tony share a similar birthday. And I looked at Irene, I said, let's go talk to Carly. She <laughs> says, okay. So the guys are talking about sailboats in the living room. We go into my study and we sit down and immediately Carly's there. And uh, I said, Carly's showing me a special license plate. This is a personalized license plate that somebody just gave you. And she said, oh yes, they have a foundation called Carly's Kids that raises money for a school in Mississippi. And somebody had made her a Carly's Kids Foundation license plate, just gave it to her and she had just put it on her car. This was getting close to Christmas time and I said, Carly's showing me there's a room over your garage in your house. She shows me you taking boxes out of a closet and taking out Christmas decorations. But she's all excited. She's saying, oh, mom, remember this one? Oh, I love this one, mom. And Irene told me that that room over the garage is called the bonus room. She had just been up in there in the closet pulling out the Christmas decorations. Now, yeah, it was three weeks before Christmas, so maybe anybody would have been doing that, but she noticed the exact room. But the thing was that was significant was this was the first Christmas since Carly passed that Irene even had the, the emotional fortitude to pull out the Christmas decorations. And she just couldn't bear to pull out the certain decorations from the boxes. But here's Carly with pure joy saying, oh, remember this one, mom, and I love this one. And then Carly says, clear as day, I'm not a prima donna. <laughs> and Irene started, she started laughing because Irene is now the chapter head of uh, the Helping Parents Heal group in Hilton Head, South Carolina. And just the previous Sunday, leading one of their group meetings, Tony was telling a story about Carly and said, 
Yeah, she could be a real prima donna. So here's Carly coming to tell him what for from the spirit world. Like, you don't be telling stories about me just because I'm not there physically. I hear you. (laughs) Do they hang around constantly listening to every little thing? Or is it just so she just sort of picked up on that? No, but he's talking about it. Oh, I see. Yeah. When you talk about their loved ones, they hear that. I see. It's that heart connection. It just opens right up when you when you call on them. That's why one of the things I say most often is talk to them. They hear you. Unfortunately, we don't always hear them back. Maybe if we picture that rainbow and yeah, listen carefully, learn to quiet our mind, daily meditation, sitting in the power, I call it, then you might hear it more clearly. But uh, when we think of them, special holidays and dates, uh, birthdays, anniversaries, holidays, uh, funerals, weddings, anniversaries, graduations, they're there. Because hmm. I know this because they tell me what happened at those parties and at the graduation. Somebody the other day just showed me that people put written things in his coffin <laughs> at his funeral. Uh-huh. Yeah, and they had. That's really I think it's cool. Oh, and so Carly dropped in not too long after that. I, I called Irene. I said, why is Carly showing me her teddy bear, Sebastian? She's taking hold of his legs and walking the teddy bear. Doot, 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 just like that. Huh? And Irene said, oh, my God, her teddy bear, Sebastian. I put him in the closet because the grandkids were coming and I didn't want him. I forgot he's still in the closet. Huh? <laughs> so this is Carly from the other side saying, you know, walk him out of the closet, Mom. Get him out of there. Give him some fresh air. <laughs> and Carl, Carly told you that his name was Sebastian? You, and you, you No, said, I already knew this. You knew that. I okay. already knew this because he came, she brought him up in the very first reading I did. And, t- and said his name was Sebastian. So, well, Irene told me that later. Oh, okay. But she okay. showed me. I was just thinking that would be pretty. showed me the teddy bear. Yeah. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. No, but I've gotten somebody who said my dog champ is here on the other side right and the dog's name is champ yeah that's really cool yeah yeah go ahead so i could tell a pet story yes yes so our 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 beloved pets absolutely animals have souls and if they're domesticated animals they have a personality so we can turn tune right into those specific souls Mm -hmm. and they absolutely greet us when we get to the other side but meanwhile i've tuned into dogs and cats with evidence how they passed what they were like their favorite toys so i got ready to do a reading a couple weeks ago and I'm, I do my readings on the phone or on Skype in the bedroom of the bus so Ty can get on with his life out in the living room. So I, I bring my two little dachshunds, Rudy and Gretchen, to sit on the bed. They bring good energy to the room. And I'm getting ready. It's five minutes before the reading, so I'm expanding my consciousness. I'm starting to shift. And I said to the spirits, you may come now. You may step in early if you want. And suddenly Rudy, the red dachshund, stands up, moves to the end of the, uh, the bed, and stares at seemingly nothing. I'm blind as a medium. I don't see them sitting there. But I said, oh, he's staring at, he must see the spirit. And he made this funny little whine that he doesn't make too often. He actually only makes it when he sees cats and he can't get at them. He went, mm, mm, like this. And I said, what do you see? I said, go sit down. Well, he wouldn't sit down. I got the woman on on the phone couldn't see her and I tune in and I say there's somebody here but it's 
I can't, I'm not, I can't tell who they, the relationship to you, but I'm getting kidney disease because I feel a pain in my kidney area. And then there's somebody else and my heart's palpitating. So we have a heart challenge here. And she said, I have to tell you, Suzanne, the only ones I want to hear from today are my cats. <laughs> and one had kidney disease and the other had a heart issue. And Rudy is still staring at nothing and he goes, Mm. <laughs> which is his <laughs> cat wine. Yeah. So Rudy sees spirits. He has shown that to me over and over again. And I know that that cat and spirit is somehow appearing before my dog who's going crazy because he can't get at it. You know, I took a picture of Rudy staring at nothing, sitting on the end of the bed, sitting up like, what is that cat doing in my bedroom? It that's, was really cool. That's cool. We had some things too after yeah. a couple of our pets died. They were, and we were hearing things. You said that um, it is only when we embrace all sides of our true self, the physical as well as the spiritual, that we experience wholeness and the joy of pure being. When we focus on one side of our wholeness and ignore the other side, we are out of balance. Yeah. That seemed like an important point in your book, and, I, and important, I think, for a lot of spiritual people who, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's why I said that I, my husband could attest to the fact that if I were seeing spirits all the time, I would be on 24-7. When, when you feel the bliss that comes from sitting in meditation sometimes, or when you feel the joy that comes from connecting with those in spirit, you would want to do that all the time. But we're here for a reason, and so if I were to focus on that all the time, my marriage would suffer, and that's so important to me. If I'm here, I'm going to totally throw myself into that as well. So try to find that balance every day and recommend that others do that too, whether that be getting out in nature and then having time for yourself. Constantly a balance. Yeah, good point. I won't elaborate on it. Go ahead and uh, tell us another story. Well, um, at Ty's urging, I've been teaching mediumship for the past year and it's it's been very well received by people because I show that anybody can connect to the mm -hmm. other side. In fact, I just surveyed the 600 students that I've taught so far and it's interesting that really only about 27% mm, intend to work as a medium. The rest simply want to learn how to connect with their guides, their own loved ones, or raise their consciousness and that's happening through this I call it my serving spirit class, two-day classes. So I was teaching a class in Albuquerque last year and as part of the class, my guides have had me demonstrate a one-on-one -on -one reading using one of the students in the classes uh, because that's what we're working on, one-on-one, -on -one, not group demonstrations of mediumship. So it was the morning of the second day and I was a little drained. The first day had been pretty high energy and my guide said, you will do a demonstration for that woman there. And uh, th they pointed out to me the one woman in the class who had sat there, shut down, <laughs> arms crossed, really serious the whole time. And I was like, are you kidding me? You know, the whole point of this is keep the energy high. We want somebody that's gonna make nice, good energy, good vibration in a reading. And I said to the class, we're gonna take a break now for a few minutes. And I left the room and I went across the hall to the hotel's business center. Nobody was in it. I sat down, I went into meditation and I said, look, I know you must have a reason, but if you want me to do a reading for that woman, you need to give me a really big sign. And my stepdaughter, Susan, who helps me a lot in my readings, she stepped in and she said, Suzanne, that woman is gonna come right up to you at your book table in the back of the room when you walk back in. And I said, yeah, that woman hasn't talked to me the whole time, like that's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. So, okay, thank you. 
breaks over. I walk back into the room. The woman makes a beeline straight for me at the book table. My jaw dropped open and she looked at me and she said, Suzanne, would it be okay if I leave? I'm really not getting out of this class what I thought I would. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, you can leave if you want, but um, I would like to do a demonstration of mediumship and, and if you would be willing, I'd like to use you and give the reading to you. Would that be okay before you leave? And she said, Yes, you know, she looks a little stunned. So, so I bring her to the front of the room. I pulled two chairs face to face. I said to everybody else, gather around here. This is, this is how a reading goes for me. And you can use this as a model. I don't know anything about this woman. What's your name? She said, Tracy. Okay, Tracy, um, she's given me permission to share all of this. She sits down. I know nothing about her. And I'm just saying, okay, guys, you know what you're doing here? Let's go. I shift. I open my eyes and I said, you've lost a son and he's standing right by your right shoulder. She burst into tears. I looked at the group and I said, this is how you know you have a hit. You know, you've gotten scored a big one. And, and I just took her hand. She was crying. And I said, your son is really tall. He's showing me he was your greatest supporter. Now he's showing me that he fell before he passed. There was something to do with medication. And then he just slipped away and his mom confirmed he had a sleep apnea problem. So his doctor started him on new medication. He fell at work that night. He went to sleep and didn't wake up. Hmm. So very good evidence right off the bat. He told me things about his dog and the way his dog barked. Lots of great evidence. It was a wonderful reading. And I said to Tracy, your son is showing me you are going to be starting a chapter of helping parents heal. There's that group again. Uh, but you're not ready yet. You need to heal first. And she said, you know, I, and I said, and you have no no intention of being a medium, he's telling me. And she says, you're right. That's why I wanted to leave your class because the only reason I came here was to hear from my son. And when it became clear to me, I wasn't gonna hear from him, I wanted to leave. Mm. This shows me, Rick, that the spirit world knew, hey, She's getting ready to leave. You got to do this reading now. Huh. And that's why she was so shut down. She was deeply in grief and all she wanted was to hear from her son. And once she did, she spent the whole rest of the class in the lobby calling every family member <laughs> to say, he's here, he's here, I heard from him. So three weeks later, I was at home in Florida and I got this card in the mail and a little gift of little infinity earrings from Tracy. Her son's name is Amen. A a-Y-M-E-N. And she said, thank you so much for the reading from Eamon. I wanted to give you this gift as a thank you. So I immediately got on my iPad and started typing her a thank you email for the thank you card. And of course, because I'm thinking of Eamon, he drops in. He's suddenly present with me. I recognized him immediately. I said, Tracy, Eamon is here. He's showing me pictures of somebody, a woman on a horse. And he's showing me how you used to rub his beard and tease him about it. But now he's talking about the tooth fairy. Hmm. Why is he, he's, he was 27 or 29, I think 27 when he passed. Why would somebody that old be talking about the tooth fairy? Well, we'll send this anyway. He's here and he loves you. Sent the email. She wrote back, overjoyed. The horse, the woman on the horse was his fiance. She sent photos of her jumping horses. That's what she does. She showed a picture of me with him with his beard. She said she used to do that all the time. But the coolest thing was she sent, I can send you a picture of it, a screenshot of her cell phone, the text 
She had just sent to her two daughters two days earlier. She found all her kids' baby teeth, and she took a photo of the baby teeth, sent it in the text, and on the text wrote, the tooth fairy. Huh. And her daughter, her daughter wrote at the bottom, OMG, don't tell me those are our actual teeth. <laughs> but it shows you that Eamon knows all about that text because he drops in three weeks after we talked. She's not thinking of me at that moment to say, hey, mom, I know all about that text. She uh, has now started an online chapter of Helping Parents Heal because of all this evidence from the other side, because her healing has advanced so much. She's gone from this state of desperation one year ago to now starting her, her own online chapter to help parents anywhere. It's just the miracles are ongoing and, and exponentially growing. That's that shift in consciousness. Yeah, that's really neat. I keep saying things. I keep using the word neat for some reason. Because um, <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's, it's great, you know, because... I mean, what you're doing and, and the knowledge that this reveals, the evidence that this reveals, can be such a, a balm for people, you know, it can, it can relieve so much grief that is really unnecessary grief, um, you know. Exactly. And so it's huge. Yeah, and, and, us, and we, it is huge, and, and part of the teaching, the spiritual teaching, is that grief is a choice that once you realize it's natural and people will feel it and I know that I will when I have further losses in my family but when you realize they're not permanent losses then it becomes a choice they're watching me they see me desperate they see me crying do I want them to feel that pain from me they wouldn't want that and so and then you choose to say okay I'm gonna I'm gonna go outside for a while I'm gonna get out of this house I'm gonna go interact with other people I'm going to reconnect at the heart with other people, and that's what brings the real healing. Yeah, because it seems to me that if somebody's really grieving a lot, it sort of puts the, the, the deceased loved one in a difficult position because they don't want to see their, their loved one suffering, and they want to help, but they, if they can't get through, then it would be frustrating. And also, it's, exactly. a, it's, it's, it's a courtesy to them to kind of like, you know, realize this stuff and, and not be so grief-stricken. Mm -hmm. yeah. You want a funny story? Sure. <laughs> so I'm um, doing a reading and, and those on the other side will use what is in my conscious mind. They'll use recent conversations because it's easy to grab those and use, put that thought, that image, that word in my mind if it can be evidential to their loved one. I've seen it happen over and over again. So I'm doing a reading and I had a mom whose son is on the other side and I said, you your son is here. We, we validated that. But I said, he's showing me a conversation I had last night. We were talking at the dinner table with a dinner guest about the movie The Fish Called Wanda, where the star eats the goldfish and, you, and it's alive. And you can see the, the fish's tail flopping out of his mouth. Uh -huh. And our dinner guest said, I did that once. I ate live fish. Uh. And we're all, everybody's around the table saying, ew, you know. So this conversation was very fresh in my mind. And this kid on the other side is showing me that. And I said, your son is showing me he ate goldfish. And his mother said, oh, he ate them all the time. I had to keep him supplied. Yikes. I said, yes, I know. And I said, really? I said, does it get any more evidential than that? You know? And, and I said, can I put this on Facebook? Because this is, this is big. This is really huge. Your son ate goldfish? And she said, 
Sure, put it on Facebook. Because I like to share these stories like I'm doing now. It, it gives people hope. So I go on Facebook and I told the story and it got all these comments. People are going, ew, or that's awesome. And like the 23rd comment down on my official Facebook page, this lady goes, could she have meant the crackers? Oh. And I went, oh, I went, oh my God. <laughs> and I emailed the mother and I said, did you mean goldfish crackers? And she said, well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but see, this is how the spirit world works. That that was his favorite snack. She had to keep him supplied in goldfish crackers. But that's like an insignificant little thing. It's generic, but it's not generic. You know, that was his favorite snack. But he uses the fact that we were talking about actually eating goldfish in my conscious mind to get that through. But this is how because it's not perfect communication, things get a little twisted around. But I'll have readings and I would say 50% of the time people <laughs> listen to their recording later, they call me back and they say, you know, I missed this one thing, but now it's so clear. This is what they were talking about. And I'll tell them, yeah, that's it. Or no, that's a stretch. That's not it at all. Because the, the integrity is really important for me. I'm not going to stretch something just to get a check in the box. Yes, that was right. But if it's accurate yeah we celebrate that that's neat <laughs> yeah I was, th I was thinking as you're telling that story that you know well you used to hear about people doing that as a college prank maybe it was a hazing yeah. kind of a thing or something yeah, but, but this woman was actually kind of um you know enabling <laughs> by buying her son your, fresh your, goldfish I don't know, what a weird relationship your face was hilarious. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. talk about an indulgent mother Here's a question. When a communication from the other side occurs, it seems that there's usually a need. It is purposeful, meaningful. Some resolution or healing is needed. Burdens are lifted, etc. If someone wants to connect and yet does not, could the reason be that there was not really a need from the other side? Um, have you ever experienced a connection from the other side in which a need was not obvious to some degree or maybe later became obvious? That's a great question. There are times when the connection is just not there. Happily, it's very, very seldom. So I, I will call a reading off and say, I'm sorry, it's just not here. But we don't know the reason why. And as you ask that, I have to wonder. The need for love is inherent within us. It's what helps us to know who we are. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that love, that need is always there. To, to help us return home to our true home. So why would a spirit, if they're in a good a place that they're able to communicate with us, why would they deny us the opportunity to open our hearts more? So I don't think it's ever that, hey, I don't feel like talking to them today. There's no need. I, I just can't imagine that. I haven't experienced that. So if the connection is not there, I one of the things I teach is, let's not place the blame anywhere if we don't know. I've had people say, I had a reading with a medium and she said, my dad doesn't want to talk to me today. Hmm. That's, that's a hurtful thing to say and we can't know that, we can't. So we just, I just generally say, I'm sorry, I don't know why. It could be me, it could be you, it could be the other side. The connection is just off today yeah. for whatever reason. And I'll know to say, maybe you need to try another medium or let's try again sometime. And we do. Yeah. Well, like in my case, for instance, I think it would be cool to connect with my parents and, and see how they're doing. We're going to do that, by the way. Oh, that'll be fun. We're going to do that. Later on, you mean, not today. 
Yeah, yeah. No, not today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just to be, you know, see how they're doing and all. It'd be really interesting. But it's like I don't have this burning need. But maybe from their side, there's a need. You know, maybe my father would like to say a few things, or my mother, or, you know, yes. whatever. And you so said you run into that sometime where the the the, the human being, the, the living one, is like, you know, ho hum. But the but you're getting messages from the other side. I really need oh, to connect yes. with this person. Oh yes, especially if there's an apology or they never said I love you and they want to say it. Uh, this is why I used to listen to what my sitter wants. I want to hear from my wife who passed or my dad. And so we would set that intention. And then others would come in and in the very beginning, I'd kind of like say, no, no, they want to hear from their wife. Realizing now, I, it's not about what they want or what I want. When we just stop trying to control things, and my intention always now is, may the greater good be served by this session, then we're open to whatever happens. We've had people come in and the person, the sitter will say, I don't want to hear from them. Make them go away. And I'll say, well, they're here. Uh, you need to go away. Well, they're not going away because they want to apologize for the abuse. Yeah. I know. I hear it. I don't want to apologize. I'm, they're not ready to forgive, but that soul on the other side made their amends, and then they back away. It's right. really interesting. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. It is. Hmm. You talked about love a minute ago, and here's another quote that jumped out at me out of your book. You said, when you place your focus on the heart, you find greater understanding of why humans act the way they do toward each other. You experience greater tolerance, not just for others, but for yourself, because you realize that essentially we are all the same, beautiful souls doing our best to carry out our human roles. With that awareness mm -hmm. comes greater patience, not just for others, but for yourself as well. Yeah, that's why I feel that mediumship has been a great path for me and not a distraction because my impatience with myself for being perfect in readings and perfection just doesn't happen has gotten in the way. My desires uh, to get greater evidence has gotten in the way. So mm -hmm. every step of my journey, I ask, how can I get better in my readings? And in fact, my... Uh, my guides came through recently and told me to go back and read the poem that's in Wolf's message. They said, read the very end of it. And it said, I, I can, I've memorized it because it's so important. It says, just sit back now and relax as your desires you attack and the ego you release. This is the road to peace. Mm -hmm. And I realized my desires for a perfect reading were actually blocking the connection. And so it's all these life lessons about how to get the ego out of the way, how to get your human side out of the way, your fears, your doubts, your worries, your impatience, all of those things. But if you just go to the heart and open up, then life flows. And, and what's interesting, Rick, is the very next reading I did after getting that guidance was for a gentleman that I really didn't want to do his reading because he kind of, I could tell he kind of had me on a pedestal and I was like, no, I'm not this perfect medium. I, I'm. This is the challenge. I'm sharing all these great readings with you today and this is the potential here. But not every reading is like that. Most are really, really good or I wouldn't do this work. But this guy, I knew he was expecting big wows and I thought he was expecting evidence. So I didn't want to do it, but I had promised him. So the guides gave me that quote you know just your desires you attack and the ego you release this is the road to peace i said i'm going to go in this reading with no desires whatsoever 
if he's pleased with it fine no desire so i just set it all aside and i just showed up for the reading and he got a little bit of evidence but he got amazing guidance about his life's path it was a lot of psychic stuff but his dad showed up and he said please ask my dad this and and his, it, it just flowed it was the most amazing flow of guidance and his dad and you know what this guy said to me at the very end of the reading quote that was perfect suzanne <laughs> so you're still on a you see <laughs> no oh god <laughs> i didn't but but see i set aside the need to be perfect right and he got what for him was perfection so yeah, remember that Nisargadatta quote I sent you the other day? It I was, do. Yeah, it was something like, when your desires melt into preferences, then everything will, will work through you and for you rather than by you. Des preferences yeah. rather, rather than desires you know it's like okay and, and it, it kind of reminds me of the garden of gethsemane yeah like jesus in the garden of gethsemane you know i i don't want this to happen and but after all let it like will be done whatever you know it's, it's like you know, we, we're not trying to like run the show we're realizing that ultimately there's a bigger wisdom that we have to surrender to yeah, yeah. i i had a few no, two readings last week that were like a three-bar connection. I, I rate my readings like a cell phone signal. Uh -huh. Five bars is great. Uh -huh. Three bars. It was like pulling teeth, and I just, mm, the, the sitter, I could, I wanted her to be thrilled. There's the desires again, right? But it was, it was good. I could tell that her loved one was there, but at the end, kind of, I felt a little left down, left out, let down. <laughs> and, and then the very next reading, that flow was back. And this is my lesson to just just show up because I don't control that. I think you know maybe the lesson in the mom was for that mom was exactly what she got. But what my guides told me last week is, yeah, you serve those on the other side and you serve the sitter, but the readings themselves serve your soul's evolution because mm. every reading is an opportunity for mm -hmm. me to release the ego, to release the perfection to release the desires. And that's for this Navy officer who still sits up straight, you know, that that's still a challenge. So we're not there yet. Uh, I don't know if there is any there that you ultimately get to. I think it's, we're always uh, getting, a work in progress, you know? Closer. Yeah, hmm. getting closer. <clears throat> Got another story for us? You no, know, I had a, oh, well, yeah. Go just ahead. a huge aha that mm -hmm. I had a couple weeks ago. I feel that my team, Sanaya, has been getting ready me ready for a big workshop I just gave with um, medium Suzanne Wilson. And then for this interview, just teaching me more about the, the nature of duality and oneness. And I, I'm really getting it in layers. I think we all do. We kind of get it. We think we get it. And then there are other layers and layers and layers. But one thing they showed me is that the spirit world is part of the duality. And that was just a huge aha to me, which is, seems silly. But we don't die and go to the perfection and the oneness. The souls are still interacting with each other. So that's duality. They're still deciding whether to come back here and have another go at it. That's part of the duality. We still continue growing on that side, still working our way, hopefully, towards that state of undivided consciousness and perfection and love. So it was just an interesting aha for me that it's all part of the 
the story. Yeah. Even the spirit world is part of the dream, the illusion. But it can help our interaction with that aspect of the dream, the illusion, the separation, still helps us to grow, whether on this side of the veil or the next. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And that's, that's one reason that some spiritual people dismiss the whole mediumship thing as, you know, they might believe that mediums are doing what they say they're doing, but they might they might say, well, yeah, but so what? It's you know this this world is is illusory. That world is illusory. So why dabble mm -hmm. in another illusory world? Get beyond the, the illusion of all worlds, and you know arrive uh -huh. at, at what is real. But the thing is, it takes a thorn to remove a thorn, and we do all kinds of things. We you know that we interact with a world, and we take things seriously enough even though we might understand them ultimately to be illusory. We don't say, well, I don't need to eat because food is illusory. Uh, so it's like the whole relative experience that we're having is germane to our growth and our evolution. And why should that just be limited to the concrete physical world? Yeah, and I'm glad that that subject came up because for those who think that there's no purpose in mediumship, you can see that this interaction between the two worlds helps the evolution of the soul no matter which side of the veil we're on yeah and you know for those who are sort of fond of vedic literature and all uh you know, who, who might be fans of ramana maharshi and vedanta and so on the vedic literature is chock full of stories of people in in their earthly bodies communicating with subtler beings of various kinds and and you know having them play a significant role in whatever the situation is in their in their spiritual evolution or in some drama that's taking place in the story it's like and not only vedic i mean most of the the world's spiritual traditions have stories like this so why would they be in there if they were irrelevant or not not useful yeah. to spiritual development and we have these uh, beings on the other side who are the bridge between the two worlds. We talked about this at length in the first interview, Rick, the, the spirit guides. And I'll, I'll admit that because of my Navy officer training, my rigid background, I had a real hard time believing guides are real. But yet now I've come so far that I just led a workshop with another wonderful evidence-based medium named Suzanne Wilson. And it was all about how to connect with your spirit guides. So we were two weeks ago, getting ready to have an online meeting, she and I, to discuss our latest ideas and the, the final plans for this workshop. And that morning, we were scheduled to talk at four o'clock in the afternoon. That morning, uh, I was due to give a reading to a woman at 10 o'clock. So about 9.15, suddenly this man's face is in my vision. It's in my mind's eye, not really out here, but I saw him, he looked like a Viking big bushy beard and mustache, full hair up here, kind of reddish blonde hair, big nose. And I thought, oh, who's that? I don't normally see faces like that. About 15 minutes later, there he is again. I could describe him perfectly. I've been seeing faces more and more now. So right before the reading started, a third time, this guy. So as the reading started, I got the woman on the phone. I, I told her, I need to tell you, this man showed up for me three times in the last hour. I described him with the beard, the mustache, the, the color of the hair. She says, I don't recognize that person at all. And I thought, well, okay. And I just put that aside and got on with the reading. <laughs> well, four o'clock comes and I get Suzanne Wilson on Skype and, and we're sitting there having our little business meeting about our workshop that's upcoming, about connecting with spirit guides. 
And she said, I'm going to show a picture of these drawings that this is what my guides look like. She holds up this picture and the one guy is the guy I saw. The big bushy beard, the mustache, the hair. I said, this is a guy that came to me today. Who is that? She said, well, that's my main spirit guide. Huh. And I told her he showed up at 9.15, 9.30, and right before my reading, she said, oh, my gosh, at 9 o'clock this morning, I said to my guide, Suzanne and I are having this meeting at 4. Why don't you go hang out with her spirit guides and get ready for the meeting? Wow. <laughs> That's interesting. I mean, it blew, it blew both of us away. We're both used to a lot of really cool stuff having in readings. But to tell your guide to have that much trust, go talk to her guides, and he shows up visually for me several times was very affirming to me as I got ready to go tell people this is real your guides are real talk to them yeah it's amazing yeah I think some people must feel like <laughs> boy my life is kind of dull compared to Suzanne's she's got so much going on but it could get better for anybody once they open the door to believing it's possible because mine used to be very you know Secular is that the word? You know, I wasn't interacting with the spirit world at all. Ty tells people when I took him to see a medium after Susan died, he didn't even know what a medium was, and now he's married to one. He doesn't meditate daily. Uh, I bring the the spirit excitement, <laughs> the stories into our lives, but uh, he he finds his connection in nature. But he believes this now, so so that's his. You know, he, he gets into it that way. Other people, they need to get that belief going and then train your minds to be quiet and you never know what will happen. Yeah, an email just came in from something totally unrelated uh, and it said, the headline of the email is, wait, is magic real? Oh my gosh, don't you love it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And with perfect timing. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That but did. it's not magic, it's as real as things get in this unreal reality. How's that? You know, it's it's very real. And they, they, when you ask, like I did in Wolf's message over and over, why is this happening? What's the meaning for this sign? What does this have to tell me? That's when it takes on real value. You can say, oh, that's really cool that that happened, but why? Yeah. What's the lesson? Carl Jung talked a lot about synchronicity. <clears throat> right. I mean, one of my favorite themes is just that... Um, we're sort of swimming in a sea of intelligence. There's nothing but that. There's nothing that's yes. dead. The rocks aren't dead. Trees are very much alive. This, the whole thing is intelligence, just sort of playing with itself and interacting with itself. And, and there's just so much significance and meaning and profundity in every little tiny thing. And that's the intelligence that I see when I do readings, the intelligence of a, a girl in spirit who would show up with the bunny suit, the intelligence of a spirit that would say, I did for my job exactly what your husband is doing now. I, I see that intelligence all the time. Yeah. And, I, and I do believe that we come back until we, we get it right. In fact, if I could tell one more story. Oh, yeah, this time. Uh, did a reading for a woman who... Uh, I knew she wanted to hear from a child, but I didn't know what age or, or how the child had passed at all. So I had her on uh, video. It was a, not in person, but a video reading. And I tuned in and right away I got cramps in my abdomen, but I saw a gesture towards her. That means this is you. I said, you're having issues in your abdomen, stomach area. She said, no, I'm not. And I said, 
No, this is definitely you. Okay, it's nothing to be worried about. I don't don't feel anything grave, but just remember that came up. So I tuned and I said, oh, your child was just a baby. This was SIDS. Wow. And you know, sudden infant death syndrome. And she said, yes, it was. And I said, this is really strange because your child is showing me this spiral and is saying, I'm coming back to you. I'm meant to be with you and your husband. You're supposed to be my parents. And I left because I had a defect that would have caused you greater pain oh. in the future. And we can't prove that. That's I'm not saying this is pure evidence, but the next, the child did die of SIDS. The very next day, the woman emailed me. She said, Suzanne, I just did a pregnancy test. I'm pregnant. <laughs> that was the that was the cramps and the abdominal issue that I was being shown, and I I truly believe that that little soul had some some life lessons that were going to come out because of the connection with those two parents, and it may not have had a viable life here, but came back to try it again. It's just you know that, these things we can't prove, but that's part of the magic, right? Uh, opening your mind to belief and and. Whether or not it's true, we'll find out eventually, but what does it teach us now? What does yeah. it bring us now? Healing. That's great. Okay, so we've, we've covered quite a bit. I always feel like we're just scratching the surface, you know, um, and there's so much more that we could talk about, but an interview is like a little sampling, you know? Um, and so yeah. I'm yeah. glad to have provided people with another taste of Suzanne Giesman. Um, Thank you. You know, I think what you're doing is beautiful, and and you're very interesting, and you're having so much fun, and you're helping so many people, and it's just a, you know, we're all serving in different ways. Maybe I don't think I'll ever be a medium, and it's not my role, but I have my role, and you have yours, and yep. you know, we're all yep. holding up our sticks. Um, so yeah, I, I would I, it's definitely a calling for me, and I can't meet the demand for people who want evidential readings. So my biggest advice to people who hear this and they want to connect with their loved ones is uh, get a medium through referrals, through word of mouth mm -hmm. and ask, are they evidential? If you need that, not everybody does, but if you really want to know that's my parents and that's my spouse or that's my child, whoever it is you want to hear from and the evidence is important, then ask somebody who's had a reading or read testimonials because uh, we, we mediums who are who want people to know this is real, who are raising the bar of mediumship, uh, we want people to have a good experience. So it's possible. There are frauds out there, that's the problem. And it is possible to fake a reading, but I hope with the short stories that I've shared with you today, you can see there are things here you absolutely can't fake. Yeah. <clears throat> Like Whoopi Goldberg in, in Ghost until Patrick Swayze kind of like came along and then <laughs> she was a total fraud. <laughs> yeah, and, and I love that scene with the loved ones behind her saying, I want to talk. No, let me in. Let me talk. Sometimes that's what it's like. You know, they yeah. just gather around and so excited on the other side to connect with us again and to let us know I'm still right here, which is the name of the book that I'm working on. Still right here. They really are. They're living their own lives in their reality in which they find themselves now, but they're still keeping an eye out on us and helping us, guiding us as needed and as it serves the greater good. Yeah. And you know what you said about mediums are a bit in short supply and, and, and so on. Maybe try to find one. Maybe hopefully you can find a good one. You know, I would say as a general rule that 
whether or not you find one, one of one's priorities in life should be to do whatever you can to accelerate and support your your spiritual growth in whatever way. Yes, that's yeah, whatever that's way is because that's the that's the bottom line. Not everybody needs a medium or needs to talk to nope. loved ones on the other side or whatever. The, the, the essential thing, the, what the game is really about, is our spiritual growth, our spiritual evolution. So, you know, make that yes. the priority and, and uh, everything else will fall into place. That's why I have free meditations on my website that people can download so that they can get an experience of who they really are and feel that love that's within them and make the connection themselves. That's why I'm teaching mediumship. It's like the old, you know, give a man a fish in a reading right. or teach him to fish. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Just don't swallow live ones. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if you feel yes. you must, go buy some crackers. <laughs> Good advice. <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. Well, thanks so much, Suzanne. I'm really glad we got to connect again. If you're ever driving through Iowa, you should, which you probably will be, you should stop by. Oh, yeah. It'd be great. I would love to. Love to. Yeah, yes. we're not too far off thanks, the beaten Rick. track. Good. Yeah. Good to see you in person. Good thanks to see for you. your time. Yeah, happy trails. And don't hang up yet. I, I just want to make a few concluding remarks. Um, so I've been speaking with Suzanne Giesman. Her, I'll be linking to her website. It's Rather than try to spell Suzanne and Giesman right now, just uh, go to her page on batgap.com and, and just click on the link and you'll find yourself at her website and explore that to your heart's content. This is an ongoing series. Let's see, next week I'll be interviewing... Oh, I better not say it. I'm talking to Suzanne. The person will probably cancel. <laughs> that happened last time I was, <laughs> I was doing an interview with Suzanne. I announced the next week and that person canceled. But next week is a fellow named Lakota John. Uh, Lakota John, who's the first Native American guy I've, I will have interviewed, talking about Native American spirituality. So, if you'd like to be notified of um, upcoming interviews, just look on the upcoming interviews page on batgap.com. If you want to be notified when new ones are actually released, sign up for the email newsletter. We appreciate support if you feel like supporting it. I'm, as I mentioned in the beginning, there's a PayPal link there. And a lot of other things, just explore the website, and it's pretty self-evident. So, And you yourself have a... Do you still do those messages from Sanaya on a regular basis? Oh, daily. You can daily. sign up to get them by email or just go on my website. Yes. Yeah, so we haven't talked much about that, but Sanaya is the kind of collect, the name for the uh, Suzanne's guides, and she gets messages and sends out an email every single day with a message from them. So you might want to send And my it. Facebook page. They go on the Facebook and on your page. Facebook so there are page. multiple ways. Yeah. Great. All right. So thank you all for listening or watching. Thank you, Suzanne. And we'll see you next week.